0: Hey, everyone. How you doing? Hey, David Hall. Well, I'm back. Welcome back. Donnie Spiker.
1: I'm on time this week, guys. How you doing? Hey,
0: Greg Hectus.
1: I'll be in and out from here.
0: And Tony Gross. What's going on, fellas? On the show today, we will see the crowning of the first-ever iRacing World Off-Road Champion, we examine the playoff picture of the Coke Series, and we get a patch for the grass-dipping controversy. And in hardware software, we see the tease of a dedicated PC build for iRacing from our great sponsor, Sim Coaches.
2: And remember, you can follow along with us in real time in your PC or mobile device as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there
3: so are you struggling with maximizing your braking zones when you're on iRacing? are you locking up when you're trying to push to the limit i was in your shoes well i wouldn't say not too long ago i've had these pedals for a year now i'd see my competition breaking deeper then but no matter what i would try i just couldn't match them until i started using the sim one or the sim coach's p1 pro pedals with their true hydraulic design they feel just like you're driving a real car they made it right here in the US, and they even offer the lifetime warranty. And I can't say enough how great their service is. For a limited time, Sim Coaching is offering you guys a 10% off your order. You won't find a better discount anywhere. Head over to simcoaches.com and use the iRacers Lounge code at the checkout. dive into some topics the uh, first one we have mike is how nascar drivers are staying sharp
0: yeah we have a very rare espn article by austin lindberg details out how some drivers use iRacing as a tool to stay sharp away from the track uh they basically cite two different drivers uh they have interviews uh with quotes and that kind of thing anthony alfredo and Raja Carruth. Uh Anthony went on to say that he discovered iRacing initially by conducting a simple Google search. And then Raja, uh, he said he started iRacing, iRacing as an actual path he wanted to use to get into real racing.
1: Yeah, I thought the Raja comment was interesting that he, he went to iRacing to get into real racing. That was. I haven't heard too many people admit to that or, or,
3: or even have that as a possibility. Also, um, I was listening to—I guess the download. I think it was—and and Ty uh, Gibbs said that as soon as he found out he was running Pocono in the in the new car, he went—he just ran home and jumped on iRacing instead of getting on the sim at the at uh, at the Toyota joint.
0: That was one of our stories uh, later on in the script, David. Uh,
3: <laughs> well, it's related, right?
0: So, well, let's cover it now. Yeah. But yeah, of course. Uh, you know, it, I thought it was really interesting that Ty Gibbs thought, "Man, the very first thing he's thinking, I need to get home and run some laps." That's the that was the first thing that he wanted to do. I mean, he had to race the next day. He had to get his you know shoes and outfit, and he had to do all these different things. And but the you know the first thing on his mind, man, I got to run some laps in the sim.
2: Well, it just goes to show you how um, how iRacing can at least help prepare you for for what's coming up. Now, now, Ty he already had experience at these tracks in different cars, but apparently he saw the value in in doing it in the actual Cup car. You know that there was it wasn't going to be just you know to learn the track or to learn braking points necessarily. It was to actually um, get used to the feel of a different car. He's already knows this track. He already knew knew how to drive it, and he already knew how to uh, how where the braking points and probably some of his visual cues might have been, you know. But now he's actually getting into iRacing racing to try to see the different feel of a different car.
0: Yep. Uh, one quote here from Anthony Alfredo Fast Pasta. He estimates that most na- drivers in nascar are doing 10 hours of work in a simulator each week
1: does he specify i-racing because i i kind of visualize like most all of the drivers have some form of i-racing at their houses that they could just hop into whenever they need to prepare for the upcoming week as opposed to going i'm sure they're spending time in the chevy simulator or the the ford simulator but it's kind of cool that they have this option now
0: i'm sure it's a mix of both you know um but it certainly includes their personal simulator I would I would presume you know ten hours a week that's about what I race uh, so that seems about right.
2: Well I thought that uh, story was really interesting because you know, it gave you two different actual drivers of how they approached I racing you know with um, with Anthony Alfredo you know he was already a, a driver at the time and he was just looking for for different different um, a different, uh, sim to, uh, to work on, maybe to sharpen skills or something like that, where Raja had, wasn't even really a driver at the time. He got into iRacing considering it a possible stepping stone to get into a seat, you know? So it was kind of like two different, um, two different ways of approaching iRacing and how, how they, these two guys, uh, still use it and, uh, consider it a, a good tool.
1: Did William Byron start on iRacing and then he was discovered, or was he already driving? Went on iRacing and got discovered. I never understood that one from the fully.
0: Daddy brought a check with him. I don't know what his iRacing racing was before or after that, but I think he bought his way into that.
3: So it's not gone completely away, is it? We've got more on the uh, grass dipping update. We've got a post from Greg. Uh, instead of reading the whole thing, I'll just kind of summarize it that he says they they know about it and they are implementing a few changes, including the current patch, to deal with some of the issues and finding a way to go ahead and try to nip it in the bud before it even happens in some other situations. I hope that – in the main thing I hope with that is I hope that involves going ahead and intervening if they see it start happening, something like this. Um, I didn't get to comment on this last week, but, the, but if Nim Cross is in a server and somebody blurts a cuss word, he just mute chat bands. I'm right there on the spot. Right. So they can do, if an admin sees something going on or something's brought to their attention in these special events, they, they can go ahead and address it. And I, I hope that's part of what their team is, is, is doing. So they're taking, they're taking, uh, they're taking the blame for the overall incident and saying, they're going to do everything they can to prevent it. Um, about the only thing that's kind of missing here, though, they address it a little on, on their podcast is, uh, they just didn't really say anything publicly about the penalties.
1: Yeah, I do appreciate the fact that they are taking uh, responsibility for it. And hopefully they can hammer down in the future and, and fix some of their coding. And, and hopefully this update helps. But yeah, penalties, I was hoping to see what, what some guys were getting, and, but didn't really hear anything.
3: Well, how many guys are going to uh, keep putting tape under their, their liveries in, in the cup cars now, huh? Probably no one. <laughs>
0: Wonder why that is. So one of the announced was we have also empowered a team within iRacing to help our developers get ahead of potential situations such as this. And between the you know the podcast and uh that they put out and you know what's put here and reading between the lines, it seems like they're maybe getting like a group of people that's more involved with the community side, like some of their drivers. They have like the vehicle, uh, the vehicle people they call them, but, uh, maybe have them, you know, when they see this kind of stuff happening as the, you know, the approach to the spa weekend happens and you see it in practice or you hear people talking about it on social media or something, they, you know, are, are, are empowered to speak out to the people in iRacing, the developers, hey, this potential, you know, this is what people are talking about. We need to look at this now, blah, blah, blah. Let's light a fire. And that's the idea I got behind it is um, in this scenario, they kind of laid back and kind of let it happen and then deal with it on Monday is kind of the way the approach was this week.
2: So did they actually say what the the patches does to eliminate that problem where where they, it was cooling the tires and they weren't losing any
3: speed for doing it? It ju- it literally says tire conditioning properties have been updated. That's as far as it goes.
0: So it says here like um, it seems now that the heat generated from the corner does not go away with the grass. So like when you dip off, the, into the grass now that it doesn't cool the tire and that's what fixed it is they just basically said okay the tire is going to keep the same temperature so it's as if it's asphalt
2: uh, yeah so it's grass asphalt properties now
0: grass fault right grass fault. <laughs> some some clever person came up with grass fault in the forums i thought that was cute but it, it was interesting to see the forums after the update uh, people coming in and putting in, what do they feel? They went out and tested it and, and they all came back and said, problem fixed. I mean, there were several different reports from people uh, who went out and tried it and um, they deemed it fixed. So I think it's fixed now. Is it realistic? I, I hope it is mm-hmm. now in that podcast, Greg Hill indicated, you know, this is, has led us to find some other things with tire properties and going off track that we need to work on and make better. And, and, and we've developed some or turned on some, you know, long-term projects uh, that this grass dipping has led us to.
3: Well, look forward to the next event. We'll see, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. Um, let's move on. And Anthony, it looks like Marconi, or no, just Mac- Macconi, he's, uh they're expanding.
4: Yeah, they, uh, looks like we got a new, um, new player in the, <laughs> in the, in the broadcasting world, uh, McHoney setup shop as most people would know them, um, have expanded and formed, uh, McHoney entertainment. And, uh, so they'll be doing it for both in-house, uh, McHoney events and for, and for higher work for leagues and, um, other iRacing events. Um they're going to continue uh, announcing different things, but they uh, put on their main Twitter here featuring an all-star cast of Evan Pisoko, James Pike, Joshua Lee, and uh, D con 24. I don't know who that one is. Um, they're coming out of the gate swinging pretty heavy.
0: He always does this Jeff McConey guy, whenever he gets involved in something. Um, but yeah, um well, he's got some great people. Evan Pasoko, you can't beat that. James Pike. Uh those are probably the big big announcers in iRacing.
4: Yeah, sorry. decon Decon was uh Dylan Connolly. Still I don't know who that is, but um sure we'll get to know. Yeah, if you want, you want to give your league race or your
2: hosted session some real solid credibility, man, have somebody like Evan Pasoco call on your race or James Pike, man. That'll that'll give you guys like instant credibility. You know, if you if you post them on YouTube, your your uh, replays and stuff like that. I wonder if they have different levels of you know different level announcers, like you know, pay top dollar for Evan and, and James Pike, and then there's like, like you know different frontiers tiers for for other announcers who who might not be quite as accomplished but are still solid announcers. Um, I'd be wondering if they uh, do something like that.
1: Yeah, I like it. It just shows that this, uh, this hobby, the this sport, is uh, continuing. It's going to keep growing.
0: So he says here on the Twitter, um, Joshua Lee and Zach Johnson will man the controls, and then um, announcing will be Evan, Jeff McConey, James Pike, Dylan Colony, Con- Connolly, and others.
3: All right, this next one I'm going to pick up because it's a little bit more up my alley since I do a lot of multi-class racing. MC Esports Global Championship. They have announced today that the 1st imsa EMSA-backed iRacing series dedicated to professional sim racers and sim racing teams. Uh, the MC Esports Global Chance- that, blah, blah, blah. The Championship kicks off in October, and it's going to feature the world's top professional sim racers and sim racing teams competing for cash purses in each event of the four-race series. And for the overall series championship. So it's a pretty short little run, kind of off-season thing. Uh, races will be broadcast on iRacing and Spot YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, the social media channels. And it's going to be multi-driver, so like actual team racing with GT3 cars and TCR cars. So th- that's great because like when we had all the offline stuff during COVID, they only one ran, cl- one ran one class. And it just really wasn't IMSA then.
0: So, Road Atlanta, Sunday, October 16th, Laguna Seca, the 23rd, Indy, November 6th, Daytona, November twenty. All races start in the early afternoon on Sundays in the U.S. Eastern time zone. they will be two hours and 40 minutes long. Yeah,
1: I like it. Obviously, another sign of things uh, expanding. I just mentioned that in the last post, but uh, this will be a good one. Have we ever – it says the first uh, – I racing IMSA series of this nature, have, we have never had one like this before.
3: Not for, not not for for money. The only thing that in the sports cars has been the Porsche uh, Porsche Cup. Right. This is the first time there's been a been a for money official multi class championship. Now I'm curious with this
1: only being GT three and TCR. If this little four race will be a kind of like a trial period for something, and then next year we get a full on. IMSA series with
0: the LMP cars. So how do you qualify in is my question.
1: Maybe they got people picked already for this little four, four race stint.
0: Yeah. Because it doesn't say anything about how to, you know, participate. So I was kind of hoping this was official uh, racing kind of thing, but um, it seems like, yeah, you're right. Maybe they've already established who's racing.
2: Yeah. It might've been like an invitation type thing, possibly.
1: Yeah, and hopefully this takes off, and then next, next year we get that road-to-pro type of thing for IMSA, and you get the official uh, rankings involved and in, in taking the top 20 and whatnot.
3: Well, um, it just says something about basically the professional sim racers, so probably pre-picked on some criteria, probably guys that run the Porsche Cup, in fact, and, and or maybe, maybe some F1 drivers who cross over really well i bet you the uh, race will produce some good highlights, but uh, Donnie, uh, how about this week's iRacing highlights of the week? Yeah. So iRacing posted another
1: highlights of the week video. I think this is either two or three in a row, but they posted on their YouTube channel this week's edition of the highlights of the week and jumped to my favorite, uh, maybe a little biased, but the 87s at Pocono looks like there was some door banging coming to the line and uh, almost let uh, P3 sneak the win there.
0: I like that four and five five. wide battle going at Montreal. Uh, Boy, these guys are mixing it up. And at one point, you know, they're three wide. The track is only three wide. There's no way to get around it. And the guy behind them is like, where do I go?
1: Yeah. So is this going to be a thing now? We're going to get a video every
0: week. Well, yeah, maybe this is replacing the monthly thing. I mean, who knows, but uh, I like it. It's Uh, something to talk about.
2: Yeah, it's it's cool. It kind of reminds me, of like you know, like plays of the week or something like that you would see on like Sports Center or something like that. Um, but it it keeps uh it, it's good to see this kind of racing because for one it kind of um, to me it gives you some hope for really good clean racing because a lot of times you run into some bad stuff once in a while, but uh you that it can be done and it gives you more opportunities to put your stuff out there to where I race it river recognize it, maybe uh, add it to their, uh, their list of uh, of highlights.
1: Now if we can get a weekly, not top 10, that'd be cool too. And Mike, you're saved from a few weeks back. Um, I think definitely makes a weekly series like this.
0: I didn't save the replay though. It was just a cell phone video, but you know what this reminds me of way back in the day on ESPN. I used to watch RPM tonight with John Kernan. Uh, it was a nightly show. I think it was Monday through Friday. And they would do a weekly uh, highlights like this of motorsports around the world. And it, it, it reminds me of that.
1: That was nightly. And I think it was on
3: before Speed Channel came about. Well, speaking of series that produce a lot of good heights or highlights, uh, Mike, we've got an article about the Coke series playoff picture.
0: Yeah, we get down to the playoffs. We're in off week right now. I racing put out an article that, you know, kind of talks about that playoff picture. And uh, I thought we would just bring it up a little bit and talk about some of these drivers. Um, they kind of group them into categories. I mean, extra safe are the guys with two wins and top 20 in the points. Uh, so that's going to be Steven Wilson, uh, Nick Ottinger, Mike Conti. And so these trio are solid, solid, solidly in and what they call extra safe. Um, the next category was safe with one win. And top 10 in points, and that's Casey Kerwin um, and Matt Busa as well, um, and Graham Boland. And then there's the other category, uh, one win, but top 20 in points, and that's Ray Alfala. It seems like Ray is always kind of on the cusp <laughs> of uh, getting in there, and he seems to figure it out. But when it's crunch time, he seems to make it happen. The next category was if there's room. And that's no wins and top 10 in points. And so um, if there's any playoff sp- spots left on points, the most likely in is Zach Novak. He's fourth in points and has finished second multiple times. Um, if there's a second spot available, it'll probably go to Blake Reynolds or Michael Guest. And then the final category was crunch time, no wins, top 25 in points. Um and that's kind of like everybody else, right,
3: yeah, and as it stands right now, there is one point slot left. there are nine wins, right
0: so Watkins Glenn next, and uh you know everyone's yeah. looking at Bobby, can he get it done
3: and I, I said that a little wrong there's there's nine unique winners out of twelve races. yeah, I appreciate an article like this it looks good, but i would
1: I would like some bullet points between these make it a little easier to read, but Matt, it's uh, surprising to see uh
3: Keegan Leahy down there at the bottom in their crunch time category. I think it's an interesting parallel that both in the Coke series and in the cup series, it both have so many unique winners that points might not get you in this year. Product of the new car possibly for these guys as well.
2: Yeah, and then then you look at somebody like like Zach Novak. I mean he's he's fourth in points and he's uh he's not anywhere near a guarantee. You know, he's kinda on the outside looking in almost. So um, you know, you could you could be having a real uh solid, consistent season and not make this playoff.
3: Ryan Blaney is in second.
1: That's exactly. I have a feeling he's not making the playoffs and that sucks.
3: Ryan Blaney. Is is that Sorry, go ahead.
2: Sorry, I'll bring Zach Novak back up again. He's having a really good, solid year. I mean, he's a past champion uh, from uh, three years ago. The past two seasons, he really has not performed all that great. So this is kind of, even though he's not guaranteed a spot at this point, fourth in points uh, is, is a really good comeback season so far for him.
3: Well, how's the Woo Late Model Series going, Brian?
2: Yes. So, uh, this was Monday night was the world outlaws late model series brought to you by butt kicker. And, uh, they were at Eldora speedway, which put on some really fantastic racing, um, great track and people were just three, four wide, uh, most of the race in the future. <clears throat> now, um, the guys who were the fastest were the same guys who've been fastest the first two weeks, uh, namely Hayden Carwell, uh, Evan C and, um, and Blake Majulis they were all really fast they each won their um their their heats so they were in the first two rows of the feature um so uh Hayden Cardwell Cardwell he uh, he was taking the, took the lead it was a 50 lap feature um stayed green all the way up to lap 40 and uh the uh there was actually contact between Cardwell and Evan C and it was a little bit of controversy in that um Cardwell was running the high line as he always does um But it started getting slicker and slicker and, uh, Evan C was running him down because Cardwell kept rubbing the wall and, and rubbing off some of his, some of his speed. And, uh, Evan C was finally, was catching them and catching him. And then, uh, finally in one of the turns, it was in three and four on lap 41, um, Cardwell, um, got into the wall again and Evan C ducked underneath him going down the front stretch. Um, but I don't know if Cardwell was trying to block or maybe he got stuck to the wall. You know, sometimes you get stuck there and you try jerk the wheel to the left to try to disconnect well whenever he did that um, he got into Evan c's right front and those two like made contact basically the whole front stretch to the and it, and it finally wound up where cardwell just lost control Evan c was able to gather it up and, and keep it keep it straight Cardwell wrecked hard, and then he wound up taking out the third place driver, Blake Majulis, who just T boned Cardwell when he had his issue. So, Evan C was there st- uh, on top of the leaderboard at that point. The two fastest rivals behind him were out of the race. And, um, Blake Majulis was also, uh, was also the points leader coming into this race. So, Majulis wound up finishing near the bottom. So did Cardwell. And, um, you know, Cardwell actually was not real appreciative about what, how the way it, panned out with Evan C. Um, in my mind I didn't see anything that looked um, intentional or anything that looked super aggressive I mean you got to be a little bit aggressive in these cars when the when the racing line kinds of just uh, just um devolves just to the top you know the the top line was by far the fastest so it's hard to it's hard to pass and uh you just got to be a little aggressive i didn't see him do anything that was unintention that was intentional or or, or anything that was crazy uh crazy bad but he wound up getting the win now um That was Evan C.'s first win of the season, but he's had two P2s uh, in the first two weeks. So he's got two P2s and a win. So he's off to a super start. Um, Now, uh, Blake Majulis dropped back with that bad finish after he crashed. Cardwell dropped back, and then he didn't make the feature last week after he had uh, trouble in his heat and the uh, last chance qualifier. So that uh, that puts c firmly in the lead after three weeks. Uh, they're going to be driving at uh, Williams Grove next week, and uh, we'll we'll see if there's any kind of uh, paybacks or any kind of uh, anything that goes on after that.
0: Yeah, that'll be fun to watch for.
1: Yeah, this was a fun series overall, and and um we're going to talk about another series later on. But it's it's nice and with the IMSA series coming, um, it's just nice seeing all these different series and see if we can add more to the future. But
3: this was dirt racing on iRacing is always fun to watch well all right podfather we had a an iRacing downshift episode come out after a long time and greg heel popped in and visited those guys over there i
0: I think it's funny that it yeah they disappeared for months off the podcast scene and and come back but uh yeah i mean we we are the the template for getting it done on a weekly basis we've been doing it for years when they started that down uh that downshift podcast, you know, Greg West, you know, gave us a a heads up that he was doing it and that was really nice. And he came on the show and talked about it. But anyway, they got a Greg Hill who's the executive producer to uh, get on there and spill the beans, so to speak. Uh, There wasn't really new information. He talked about the spa thing and the grass dipping and apologized talked about, you know, a different approach going forward, how they're going to do it. We've already talked about that a bit. Um, But that new project I mentioned was some enhancements on how the car feels when you drive it off track. And so they're, they're working on making that feel different. He also talked about the projects with NASCAR, including Atlanta and Chicago and some of the behind the scenes discussions on how that track was developed. I mean, he talked in detail about you know, Atlanta, and they were trying to decide on, you know, how much banking and, and, and there's a lot of verbal discussion, but then they would like put a track together with some banking, they would throw some drivers on it, and then they would broadcast it to the people in NASCAR so they could see it for themselves. And, you know, he kind of talked about that creative process of how to, you know, how the tracks, you know, were developed. Fascinating. Uh, he talked about getting that Indy road course out recently. Uh, they had to have like all hands on deck. Uh, right after Atlanta got put out, they they uh, worked on Indy road to get it done in time uh, for the race. Uh, he did indicate that they're working on the oval now, and it will definitely be out in the September build. So that's uh, new information. We'll definitely have the new oval uh, Indy scan. They talked about rain. No promise of any timeline, but uh, he talked a bit more about how it works and how it's it's going to be really super realistic, just like everything else in the sim. Um, he talked about humidity, and they even talked about how the rain gets b- made to begin with. I mean, they're they're really sim- simulating everything. Uh, it sounds fascinating how it, it's coming together. They did also talk uh, then, a bit about. I'm sorry,
3: they didn't mention Chicago in there. I didn't see it in the notes. But uh, he talked about how they basically scanned all the streets in the area and then just turned around and decided which ones they would use afterwards.
0: Oh, that's right. And then he also mentioned, David, that the initial plan was on streets totally different than where the final plan ended up being. Uh, A little bit about Active Reset, the new functionality coming out and, and how that works. Um, and how that might lead to other things that might be fun or educational. So he kind of hinted at some stuff that would be revolved around the active reset. And when he said the word educational, it made me think of iRacing driving school. Can you imagine you're a rookie, you sign up for iRacing, you register for this iRacing driving school, And they teach you the basics, like how to apex a corner, you know, and they use the active reset to do that. You know, they like start you at the beginning of the corner and they end you at the end of the corner or something like that. I, that's the kind of the way I envision it. Uh, And then finally he detailed some personal work history uh, and, and more details about the racing game market back in the day. Uh, of Papyrus and all that, Um, how iRacing, you know, really came to be, you know, uh, and and how he and a few other key people like Steve Myers and others have built this into what it is today. Now, if you're a sim racing fan, this episode is a must listen. I mean, he he dropped some history there. Um, It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that was a good episode. They haven't been on since, uh, I think, January, so I've actually forgot about about their show, but uh, always listen when it comes on. The thing David talked about with Chicago, them scanning all of the streets around, that way they had something to play with was was a pretty neat thing to hear. That way they, they essentially scanned everything and then designed what they thought would work the best. Um, I don't remember hearing him mention anything about the dirt oval at Indy. I heard them, I think they said all the stuff they scanned will be released in future builds. So I didn't hear anything about the DIRT one, but I'm, I'm assuming that's coming. Maybe not September's build, but maybe December's. Uh, but yeah, it's always fun to hear about the papyrus days back before I only heard about this and was too intimidated to do anything with the computer.
0: Yeah, we found another quote from the video. I'm going to read part of this. This is in reference to the grass dipping. We formed a team at iRacing who are going to keep us accountable, keep everyone informed about what's going on in the community, about upcoming events where things like this might come into play. Where our developers are doing er- everything they can to get ahead of these things.
1: Yeah, and you know those people should be. They should be iRacers uh, like us that race every day, and can be like some kind of committee that can go around and maybe find these exploits or or hold them to account. Of, um, some of the, some standards some and find some stuff possibly
0: well or i'm sure they get the reports but were they falling on deaf ears that's the thing
3: they said they did say in the show that they're aware of it before the spa started but just didn't think it was going to become widespread all right well that wraps that brian we've got a wheelchair sim reg that looks like it's for sale
2: Yeah, this comes from uh, Justin Brown. He posted that uh, anyone who or anyone who might know someone who's interested in a wheelchair accessible racing setup. um, So he's been racing for 33 years after being unfortunately paralyzed. Analyze, but unfortunately, he can't can't race any longer because his shoulders are just giving him too much trouble. So uh, it, it's this is setups best suited for like a manual gear. Um So it includes the Accuforce V2 with the original wheel and and a no name smaller wheel that he has available as well as well. Um, there's three. He's got three 32 inch Scepter um, uh, 1080 uh, monitors and Husqvarna Pro pedals. So. Pretty, pretty decent rig, and uh, there's a photo that you can check out on their um, web page at iracerslounge.com, and uh, if you want to take a peek at it. But if you want to jump into, a, you know, a pretty good setup, um, you might want to check it out, especially, especially like he said, if you're having some, uh, if you uh, have some issues where you're uh, you're in a wheelchair or something like that, you can just uh, just start right away. Um, really cool, not nice looking setup
0: yeah the pictures he put up you can see how the pedals are hooked up he he literally has the pedal faces off of the pedals and he has these long silver bars attached to the to them and they run up to you know right underneath the wheel and i can't really tell it looks like there's some kind of lever or something there that he can either hit with his hand or his body uh, that manipulates the pedal there. Um, so pretty unique setup, you know, I mean, this isn't the kind of thing you can just throw on iRacing and, uh, Facebook groups and sell your equipment. Uh, it's really specific for somebody who's disabled.
1: Yeah. It's incredible to see. It's actually, uh, inspirational to see that, uh, regardless of what your injuries could be or whatever, whatever, uh, potential life is, is dealing you that you can get through it. You could, Manipulate your rig in some way and get on iRacing.
0: Um, reminds me of my old uh, an old host from this uh, podcast, Carlos Fonseca, who had been on uh, the early years of this podcast. He uh, is disabled in in, in a wheelchair, uh, I believe, quadriplegic, and he races with a controller, uh, like an Xbox controller. But, you know, he's fast. I I mean, his I rating is like 4,500, 5,000 or something. He, you know, he's very quick. He's a top split oval racer and he does it with a controller and he's amazing.
3: I had a teammate all the way back in the R factor days who actually had uh, a handheld steering wheel with two triggers on it for the the, uh, brake and trigger. Or g- breaking throttle because he couldn't even really raise his arms up. He could just turn his hands and and squeeze his fingers, and he, he was as fast as all of us, and was actually our setup builder. Right. So I didn't uh, I didn't see any price that he's asking
2: for. It. So um, if uh, if it's something you might be interested in, just uh, reach out to Justin Brown on the forums. Check him out, or uh, as I said, go to our uh, website, and you'll be able to get all the links right there.
3: Yeah, hopefully he's able to find somebody because I don't know how big the market is in in, in that situation where you can conveniently unload uh, a, a specialized rig, but ho- hopefully there's somebody out there that has a need and they can help each other out. So, yeah, you know, you, no, you,
0: sorry, Brian, yeah, I was going to uh, bring God. up the IMSA winner. What's the recent IMSA winner that's um, used the hand controls? Robert Wickens. Right. Robert Wickens. Yeah. So he's probably the most famous guy that, uh, races that way.
1: Yeah. We had Zanardi for the last 20 years
3: doing it as well. Uh, super awesome to see. All right. we well, can see if this next one, right. Or do, do we want to rehash it? We didn't really go too deep into commenting on it. So we were talking earlier about the, the cup transfer and Ty Gibbs was on, on, on Junior's show. And said he, uh, he basically went home to run racing to learn how to drive that car at Pocono. Yeah. Another thing he
1: said on there, he started iRacing when he was 13 years old, back in the shop at JGR, one of their garages, uh, 13 years old. And I don't know, he seemed to almost credit everything that he's done to iRacing. When he needs to learn a track, he goes on to iRacing, learns it, finds out the braking zone, especially at the road courses. And even accredited his is why he's so good at road, road courses to iRacing. Yeah. Pretty cool. Which is kind of interesting now with these youngsters coming up. Like, how many are going to start doing this because they can't drive yet? And if you don't have the the funds to go out and buy a go kart, but you can hopefully buy you know some kind of wheel and and even if you do have money, like this kid does, and you're you're racing as quickly as you can, and when you're not racing, you're still racing. You're racing nonstop. So, how quickly are these kids going to get good?
3: Now, to make sure no, you're not going gonna... to sorry, he actually gets to run a lot of dirt cars that he's not allowed to, dr- to run in real life on iRacing. He, that's kind of his hobby side of the racing.
1: Yeah, he's almost leaning towards Kyle Larson was his idol in a way, the way he was talking about him. But I can see them relinquishing that up a little bit. Once he's driving the 18 car next year, possibly winning, I can see his, his, his grandpa letting him branch out a bit.
0: I just don't think you're going to see these up-and-coming NASCAR drivers that aren't. Involved in i racing anymore at this point. I mean, like you said, just the ability to learn the tracks, you know, to learn the braking points, to know what gear you're in on a particular corner before you even arrive there. That is so valuable, I'm sure, and and uh, you're just not going to find anybody who's not doing that.
3: Well, Brian, we got another series. We're still running the off road world championship.
2: Yeah, this is actually the finale week of the off road championship, which means that we crowned a, a world champion. Um, this is a uh, again, this was the first year ever for this uh championship series, and uh, so the winner was the inaugural winner. You never can never take that away. The title of the first ever champion. Um, uh, Killian Delamo uh won the first uh, first of the two features, um, and then uh, Cam Peterson won the second. Uh, they were racing at um, Crandon for the for the final week, but uh, it wasn't enough to overtake Connor Berry, who was the uh, took home the championship points for the season. So congratulations to Connor Berry, uh, first ever world champion off road iRacer racer. Um, and uh, it was a good season. Um, I, I hope that they get more dedicated uh, tracks next by next year if they do this again this time um, to where. Where, you know, there's more uh, more diversity of tracks. They pretty much had five tracks that they just did twice, and they did two features at each race. So, really, uh, four four races at each of the tracks um, in total. So. I know there's these tracks are not that easy to come across and might not be that, uh, might not be that many of them around, but it'd be nice to get more dedicated tracks, uh, to make this series a little bit more diverse as far as, uh, the, the venues that they
1: visit. Yeah. We have a pretty internationally known track close to me about 20 minutes away, um, which is North of Fontana that speedway that a uh, motocross comes to, um, the European motocross comes to and, and, uh, the Lucas oil trucks come to, so there, there's, there's some that they can get to.
0: Pretty cool for, uh, the new champion Connor. with was a 25 point, uh, gap for the, to second, uh, for the championship. And he posted up his championship, uh, excitement along with a picture of his, uh, great truck flying through the air. And, uh, he says, hashtag slicky. I wonder if that's his, uh, nickname or what, but, uh. Congratulations, Connor Barry.
3: So, uh, Donnie, are you using the companion update or the companion app?
1: Not yet, but I listened to the podcast this week, and I forgot I need to get it. But anyway, uh, iRacing has updated their companion app, and per Alex Gustafson, uh, I said an update for the iRacing companion app has been published. The app should update on your device automatically. You may also download the update manually directly from the app store that you choose. And it is available on the Google uh, Play Store and Apple Store as well. They mentioned something involving this app that triggered my mind uh, this week to to download it. So I got to get that going this weekend. So
0: they list off a few things that they fixed. Now, I just opened the app and I clicked on my results from today. And guess what? I can't even read the names of the individuals in the results. It's still broke, guys. It's still broken. I hope they're hearing me. Um, I run my fonts on my iPhone up one notch, and maybe that's why I can't see it. But uh, maybe they need to reprogram it so it doesn't change the font size based on the system settings would be my guess. But uh, I, I think I mentioned this once before, but, man, I'd really like to see that fixed.
3: Once they get online registration for the app, for races I'm in.
0: It's nice to go kind of look at your results or if you want to look at your I rating or your recent races.
2: Yeah, it's it's good that they It seems like they're uh, not just they didn't just buy this app um, and just leave it be. There actually it looks like they're making adjustments and improvements to it. Um, one of the things I noticed that was a little a lot better than the original was the you know if you're in a league it uh, it does a little bit more with with uh, some of the league stuff that's uh that's on there. So um, I kind of like that part of the app. Um, it's really cool for you know it's really easy to search for drivers and. And add them as favorites and follow people and stuff like that. So it's it's a it's a real handy app for those kind of things as well.
0: Like when I'm in the results and I click on the name that I can't really read, it gives me a, a list of lap times for every lap of the race. It shows me when I pitted and whatnot. Uh, so it's got a lot of information. That you know they've kind of added to it as uh, as they've gone along. Pretty cool.
3: All right, we've got one major event coming up. It's the Knoxville Nationals. It's the annual sprint car event held in Knoxville Raceway in Knoxville, in Iowa. It's uh, using the 410 wing sprint car. It's going to be the August 16th through the 21st. Uh, Monday through Friday, there will be one time slot at 9 p.m. Eastern each day. Uh, Saturday is the Super Session, taking the top 60 in the overall points from the race week. Then on the t- Saturday at 1 p.m. and Saturday at 9 p.m., there, those will be slots for, I guess, the, the main events.
0: Man, if I didn't work Saturday, I might try that.
1: I wish I ran dirt more. Maybe I'll do that during the wintertime when I get on the road more as well. So that coincides with the actual Knoxville Nationals
2: that are this coming weekend at, at Knoxville. And uh, if you recall, reigning champion is uh, one Kyle Larson.
1: That'd be nice if they offset this a week, so maybe you can get some real-world racers coming over to the iRacing side to, to try it out there.
3: Kyle needs to go for the double and win it on an iRacing and in real
0: life on the same year.
2: Is he back on iRacing? <laughs> I think so.
0: I'm I I trying have. to think, what is his schedule Saturday, though? Would he be able to participate on the Saturday main event?
3: There will be practice and qualifying, probably.
0: Yeah, Practice. Plus, he'd have to have his rig. Well, that's the thing. You got to have a rig at the track to do that, you know.
2: Right, yeah. All right,
1: so next year, offset this a week.
2: Once he does like Raja Karuth, and asks for uh, local people with rigs and uh, see if somebody will let him borrow it.
0: It's got to be somebody.
3: There's a new set of pedals entering the market and they look promising. Simcoaches is finally releasing a set of load cell pedals. They've taken their years of knowledge building pedals and created a set of load cell pedals at an affordable cost. No longer worry about not being able to fill the car under your feet or wondering where the limit is. Have confidence as you enter corners and know the car is going to stick. There's no higher quality pedals on the market. They're even offering their lifetime warranty with the pedals. Take the leap and upgrade to SimCoaches today. Go to SimCoaches.com to pre-order your set of load cell pedals and stay big when you do. Use promo code Lounge. You won't regret it.
0: Podcast Housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for other listeners to find the podcast. Mention it to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. Don't forget to get on our Discord or our new website, iRacersLounge.com. We're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network and also the Sim Racing Channel.
3: All right, Brian, it is time to talk fantasy.
2: Yeah. So, uh, Michigan raceway last week for fantasy, uh, taking the win for the week was, uh, Jay Ray or Ray J. If you want to put it that way, res dog was second Scotty boy. Third, uh, looks like uh Tony Groves or Tony Rochette, the highest Michigan finish finisher. So, uh, congratulations to Tony among the Tafosi drivers anyway. Um, he is a, it was a uh, home track for him so he did well on his home track Donnie uh, pulled in a P9 so good job for Donnie too I
1: appreciate P4 and 15. P5's names I like them P4 and P5 <laughs> yeah they're good ones
0: I forgot to pick
2: so you had your guys from last week then at Indy
0: yeah, I ended up 38th dead last of the year if you got <laughs> points
2: he left all your road course guys in.
0: <laughs> Whoops, poor Greg is so, uh, uh, 29th. Oh my.
2: Yeah, Greg's uh, fallen hard from his earlier, you know, mid season when he was at the top of the points. He's he's tumbled down to seventh overall. Uh, Louder Racing is in the is in the lead right now with O'Baby oh Forty Four in second. Um, so. Uh, he's still, Greg is still the top, uh, Tifosi in the, uh, in the overall team, team, uh, points. And it's, uh, he's got a pretty good lead on that.
0: I mean, some other bad showings for Michigan was Tyler Williamson and Bobby Jonas, uh, 25th, 26th, Tony Groves 20th.
2: This was one of the few weeks where I was actually watching the race live and could make a adjustments and I needed it because Kyle Bush was in my top five and he got wrecked out early. Um, and dead finished just about dead last. And I actually was, uh, able to make a adjustment, you know, and I never, I hardly ever get to do that. And that's what typically kills me. But, um, and I had Ky, uh, actually had Ty Gibbs in my garage and I put him in and uh, he was doing great and then him and Danny Hamlin who I had Danny Hamlin too they both got that last late caution uh, speeding penalty and that kind of but uh, Danny Hamlin was really fast I think he probably would have taken the win if he didn't if he didn't uh, didn't get that
1: speeding penalty yeah, they both had good finishes anyway. They they worked their way back up the field. It's weird, people complaining about not being able to pass there, but both those guys started way in the back and were able to pass cars and get their way back to the front. But
3: It's always hard to pass if two cars are I, close to I, equal. Did we lose Brian? We lost Brian from Teams. Hey, Josh, from Teams. Right, y'all have anything else on Fantasy? No.
0: Hardware Software, brought to you by Supreme 3D Printing. Are you looking for that next simrig upgrade or maybe your man cave needs a little more style? Or is your wife wanting to redecorate your home? Well, we here at Supreme 3D Printing have you covered. We create and print tons of different and useful items that is sure to fit everyone's style and budget. If you don't see what you're needing, then feel free to contact us for your needed item at Supreme 3D Printing.
3: Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, I'm going to start this one off with the topic that I actually kind of brought up. Uh, Actually, a few weeks ago, a loyal stream viewer dropped in and told me about uh, fixed foveated rendering. It basically sacrifices resolution on the edges of the screen in your VR to allow you to run higher settings and get a better frame uh, FPS. You don't even notice it, though, unless you intentionally look off-angle in your VR without turning your head. Because uh, it, it, it looks really fog foggy if you look up with your eyes instead of your head. But generally, you don't actually do that. You just, you just follow. If you have a VR that has eye tracking, it would be super superior. But um, it's still really cool. I installed it last night after the NIS race and just jumped into it. A server to see how it was running and my fps was way higher and then i cranked a lot of the graphics up to max and it stayed high so anybody running vr this is a real simple little mod where you just take two files um edit your settings on in one of them which is a text file and then boom you're in and it, it runs so much better and you don't, you will not, when you're in the track and you're notice, you're looking down the track, you will not notice that the stuff up in your peripheral vision is foggy because your eyes can't see very well up that up in that range anyway.
1: Now I'm sorry. When you, when you move your eyes back up there, does it become clear and, and you still have the halo that you can't see anyway? Um,
3: if you t- tilt your head up to look, it's clear right so the only way you you'll see that it's not clear is if you keep try to keep your head super focused and 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 then look up really really high almost uncomfortably high and but whenever i look i always float my other desktop which has all the standings running that i can look at it caution and see, like see if people have pitted if they were in the pits for 5 seconds this or that and then um i uh, but I when I'm looking up there, I actually tilt my head anyway because it's just more comfortable. So wherever your eye is focused, that is um, higher resolution, but by giving up all that resolution out on the edges where you're where it's just coming into your peripheral vision anyway, it gets a huge boost in performance. That's awesome. sounds like it's simulating your real vision, I guess yeah basically uh, that's it it's that's what you you see from that in that range anyway you're more, you, at that averted vision range it's mostly the motion that you see and than anything
0: pretty cool i wonder how this tool the software tool helps maybe you to run one of those really beefy uh vr glasses that we've talked about the real expensive ones that we always wondered you know what kind of graphics card do you need to run these well maybe with this you might be able to
3: yep and uh, i mean even the on the g2 i was having to run most of the first settings the the detail settings on the left at medium and it uh this took care of it So I recommend it strongly. I'm going to get all the other teammates running it and they'll, they'll be impressed with the the improvements.
0: Okay. So let's have a follow-up on that and see, tell us more later. Now I teased this next one last week, guys, when we were talking about the H pattern shifters, Dave cam, one of my favorite YouTubers reviews the BDH, H pattern shifter. Um, and, these are all metal mechanical shifters. Um, it's a rival to the Pro Sims H pattern at half the price. Um, Dave calls the shifter one of the best sim racing products he's ever tested.
1: Yeah, you brought this up last week and I was like, eh. and then I watched the video and I, I was impressed that the price was half the price of the Pro Sim. And I like it. Uh, The one thing about Dave, though, he doesn't really go into the details of the product. So I was kind of annoyed at how he mounted that thing. But I had to go on and look. And that thing just swivels or uh, spins within that bracket. And you can mount it on the left, on the right, or on top. Um, Awesome-looking shifter. Um, Looks great. Yeah, and you can also mount it with that
2: cylinder. Facing towards you as the driver, or facing away from you as the driver. So if you have any restrictions as far as uh, stuff might be in your way, um, you can manipulate it in that way as well. Um, it works just like a button box sort of. It's a direct USB plug-in, so you don't have any software or anything like that. Um, and that uh, adjust. It's got that adjustment knob which really makes a huge difference it can go from super light you know two finger touch to being super strong where you really got to throw it around to get into the gears um, it's a it's a really nice uh, really nice system I can tell you right now I looked on their website they're they're actually uh, out of stock right now they have a hard time because everything this complete thing is completely handmade there's no there's no uh, machines making it for you it's it's all handmade and built. And um, so my guess is that they have a hard time mass producing it. Um, so it's, it's out of stock right now. Um, it was like 840 euros, I think it was, which comes, not euros, I'm sorry, pounds. So English pounds. And uh, it's plus fat, plus shipping. It would probably put you around $1,100 uh, US money
0: hey you want the best h pattern you can get that's a pretty good one i mean rick Motec has another one that's really nice but this is probably the second best one out there if it's if it's not better
1: you know i'm curious if our buddies sim coaches are thinking about doing an h pattern
2: another thing is um uh it's it's only available in that high polished uh chrome um, steel look but um i saw in a thread from uh dave cam's video that they're going to be put making it in black available too so uh if you're really dying for something that's black apparently it's going to be coming out in uh in a different color now
1: i like black my whole rig's black but black shows dirt easily and quickly so i don't know
0: i like the silver look though um it's a beauty it's it's, it's kind of like you said there's different ways of mounting it so that makes it nice I don't know. I would have to redo where I, I have my mouse and everything if, if I had something like this.
1: Yeah. Like I mentioned, earlier, I really appreciate Dave cams reviews, but um, I think I always rely on Barry's review videos and just watching him throw that pro SIM H pattern and all of the videos he uses that. And it's pretty damn impressive. So I'd like to see him do this one. If he hasn't already, if he has it, I'm going to look it up and watch it.
2: I don't think he's done this one. I'd I, I looked through a bunch of uh, reviews for this shifter. Um, we did this before when um, uh, Gosling did it in his, uh, his YouTube channel.
0: Right. We've talked about it before. It's a great, great shifter.
3: All right. The next thing we do have is a VR settings for iRacing. It's a YouTube video. And uh, with school kicking back in, I definitely have not had a time to take a look at this. Uh, there's been there's been tutorials that I've gone through setting it up in the past, and I've definitely seen the huge gain from the FFR. But has anybody actually given this a watch?
0: I mean, I've seen it, but I don't know VR, so I don't know if it's right or not.
2: <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched this yet, but I, I am going to because I really want to play with my VR settings. I think I'm, I'm missing something somewhere and uh, I'm going to I'm going to give these settings suggestions a try and see if it uh, takes care of some of the. Um, makes make some improvements over what what i'm uh, i'm seeing right now i wonder if it would have any conflict with the thing that you were just talking about dave
3: uh no it would not be a conflict this is mostly just in in race settings and at at a glance i'm not sure what uh, if this if i'm looking at around minute two he has pit objects events grandstands and crowds turned off okay if you have uh, events turned off and and objects on low detail, you're going to be missing landmarks, and that makes it harder to race, especially
0: at road courses. Well, you so, know, he does say in the title that he's going for best performance and image quality. Uh, so maybe that's the you know what the the settings are really pushed towards. I guess if you want the best performance, which means high FPS, you're going to turn all that stuff off, right?
3: I don't. Yeah, but I, I, maybe pit objects because that you're not going to see the pit crew or anything, and that actually makes it easier to pit. Uh, but you turn down objects to low detail, and I'm pretty sure that makes the little uh, official stand that that you use for a, a marker at Montreal. If it's turned, if one of the settings is turned too low, that doesn't show up. So stuff like that that you actually use for break markers is missing if some of these settings are too low so i I am not sure about these settings and i don't know what kind of pc he's running i I probably should have gone through and watched it but um with ffr on sky clouds i have high detail cars high detail pit objects high detail event i I have every one of those at high detail now with the ffr so i I think this is almost too far on the conservative side where are we at on i can't remember did you get that going on the what? On your new graphic card. Uh, I'm still waiting on the hardware from from uh, Nvidia, and they're waiting on it from their supplier. They, I checked with them Monday, and they they got back to me and said, "Yep, uh, we're still waiting
0: on it." So wait, what are they sending you? A cable?
3: It's a cable and a repeater that I guess just gives it enough strength to plug into the to the 3090 and make it work. They sent me links if I wanted to order it myself, but then, you know, I. I Spending more money, and they're sending it to me. So, since the 2080 is getting the job done, I can wait. But I think when I do plug in the 3090, I'm going to basically be able to take everything with the, with that FFR feature now up to almost max. One of the only things I, I'm not really doing yet is the particles at full rest because that really does a big FPS hit. I have to try it. All right, Brian, we got our sponsors putting out PCs now. Yeah, this is a kind of a
2: surprise. Uh, You know, we had that video from them last week where they went over some of the new products they were coming out, the wheelbase and the and the new um, and the new uh, steering wheels and stuff like that. But they didn't mention anything. About this. But now, apparently, Sim Coaches are making these that are designed specifically for Sim Racing. So it's backed by their lifetime work guarantee, which, which is as good as you can get as far as guarantees go. Um, they include hardware by Corsair, MSI, Intel, NVIDIA, Nvidia um, Thermaltake, Critical, Western Digital. So they're using the high quality products in it. Um, so, yeah, you can actually uh, call them and uh and they'll start
0: your build right now pretty cool that they're kind of going full service i like that
1: yeah no cost announced with these yet but um no it's just another uh, item to add to their list
0: there's a youtube video that shows basically them building a computer Um, one of the techs or whatever they have you know technicians they have uh and yeah it looks like they're putting all the best stuff in it that money can buy
3: and i think i saw a
0: 3070
3: ti and uh, uh it's liquid cooled
0: good stuff
2: i wonder what makes it specifically designed for sim racing is it just what what uh, hardware they're using or, or they do some kind of um um setup for you
3: well you mainly just have to have good enough specs Right, right. That's that's kind of the biggie, and it probably has the that that new kind of hard drive that just plugs straight into the motherboard that gives you I mean, that. It's amazing how much faster my races load now. I, oh, I, I, I never used to get in before practice. was Over now, sometimes I'm in there with like an hour and a, a minute and a half to actually like do a practice lap or something. I'm like, what? Talking about the SSD cards? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, that, those those are game changers. I mean, especially when it comes to booting up your peripheral programs, your third-party stuff, just instantaneous,
3: almost. It's amazing. All right, Donnie, how about handbrakes?
1: Yeah. So last week, Boosted Media reviewed VNM's H-pattern shifter. So this week, he reviewed their handbrake. Their VNM handbrake V1 review, um, and it's good. I I wasn't too impressed with the H-pattern shifter that he went through last week, but. Um, this handbrake is a lot better than the one I use. My hundred-dollar Amazon special. Um, I like the way that you can adjust the spring in the back. You could um, swap out the bushing in there to give you more tension, and it just it looks good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had some pros and cons. Uh, software was a little overcomplicated on the con side. Uh, removing the spring stack was a, a quite tricky and there was no mounting options on the bottom of the unit. That's what he didn't like about it. Yeah, gotta,
1: man, when you're designing a product, I'm thinking just like that BDH shifter we saw a couple um, topics ago, you got to be able to mount multiple different ways, left, right, and, and flat. So not mounting to the
0: bottom is kind of an issue. So it, is, it just mounts on the side only. So
1: Another thing that I'm, I'm thinking about what I didn't like, I don't like how exposed it is. and and open i thought this would have been the, the casing that he opens up and looks in but that's what you see is what you get there um so the units exposed which is just fine i guess but i don't know it could look better if it was maybe the front part or the side portions were enclosed do you think that exposes it to too much dust potentially with the springs and get little squeaky springs maybe
0: i'd rather have it enclosed i mean yeah
1: yeah i I usually take my stuff apart every uh usually during week 13 and just clean some things up but my uh my brake pedals the ones i have now uh usually by the 10th 11th week of the cycle i get squeaky brake and then that's my clue that i gotta
3: get in there and clean the dust off or whatever and maybe regrease them okay mike i know you had to be excited and consider this one when you looked at it
0: yeah and I'll, i'll tell you i'll tell you what i mean I had an incident today during the race where my force feedback stopped with my Fanatec wheel and I had to race about 30 laps with no force feedback before it just came back on. Um, I'm sick of this thing. I'm I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm ready to buy a new direct drive wheel and just get rid of Fanatec. Um, And one of the big reasons, another big reason I, I, I don't like Fanatec is the hubs, there's too much play in the quick release hub. There's way too much play, and so when I saw this product, David, I was excited. I mean, like you said, uh, Acetec is developing a quick release now. Acetec, you've heard of them. They they put out some load set uh, load cell pedals with the orange pedal plates that have been all over social media. I'm the sure 14th. everyone has seen them. Yeah, the Fortes. Well, that same company has now uh, got themselves a, a really nice uh, quick release. It has zero play. What a cool design! Um, yeah, I mean, so this is the kind of thing I want to get. Is is a quick release with no play on a wheelbase that's not gonna you know screw up like Fan attack.
1: Now, watching this video, before I I saw the video, I was thinking, oh, this would be great, but now I'm thinking this quick release is proprietary to this wheelbase. Like, it only works with the wheelbase. You can't use that quick release with any other wheelbase, correct?
0: Well, what wheelbase is it? I I didn't realize that.
1: I think it's theirs. I think they're making their own. Oh, I see. If you look at the way the the base is designed, the way the collar goes up, the quick release... Is almost the same design pattern as the mount that goes to the back of the of the wheel as well, that runs up.
0: Ah, uh, I w- when I saw this, I was assuming it would be, it was something they that would work on other wheel bases. But you may have a point.
1: Yeah, hopefully, I find out in person in a couple of weeks about a new direct drive and what their plans are for that.
0: Yeah, and so the quick release is key. You, know, you can't have play in it like the Fanatec one, or it's just it's just crap.
3: Okay, Brian, it looks like we are now building suspension parts for sim rigs. Have you seen this? Yeah, I did watch this. Uh, this was actually sent in by
2: listener, uh, Eric Whiting. Um, it's called, uh, a, this is called a slip angle haptic feedback system for sim racing rigs. It's uh, made to be mounted on the four corners of a, a platform type of a eighty twenty rig. Uh, and what it basically is, it's almost like the transducers you would see for a um, shaker. But um, it attaches to uh, four sets of springs on each corner of the v of your uh, rig and uh, it runs through a uh, sim hub just like uh, if you're running um, base shakers through your sim hub but it gives you the haptic feedback that travels through the through the rig and through the uh, spring to give you some um, some some feel as you're uh, as you're driving so it's not exactly it's not motion so it, it doesn't move your rig up and down down or anything like that, it just gives you a uh, gives you a better feedback haptic feedback from the different corners of your car. So it'll help you feel some of the uh, slip angles and and uh, and uh, some of the your car starts to break loose through through this uh, spring haptic system. It's pretty interesting. Um, the uh, the the gentleman Sim Racing 60, who was. Uh, uh, testing it on his YouTube channel. He kind of had a, he had to play with it to get it dialed in to where he felt like he was getting the most out of it. But once he did, he f- was kind of happy with how, how he was getting this uh, feedback.
1: Yeah. When I saw this, I, I liked it now watching the video correct me if I'm wrong, but are the Springs necessary? Cause when I was watching it, like he wasn't, you couldn't see it move. Like you couldn't see it vibrate or go up and down. Um, I get the the vibration at each corner. But I, I'm curious as if the springs play a, you know, significant role in it. It has something they to might. do with it. I
3: think. And and it, yeah, here's I, why think I think this. Yeah, here's why I think this makes a little bit of sense. Uh, I my butt kicker right cracked a while back. I've got the gamer one that that has the big long handle and the, and kind of the screw down attachment, that broke, and I. As I was waiting on the replacement that Buck Cooker did send me, and I got that in, and I have it on there. But as I was waiting on the replacement, I zip-tied it down in as many places as I could to to just hold it in place. And I was actually feeling, in some particular cases, especially with wheel scrub, I was feeling actually a little bit more. And then that I put the replacement back on there, I had to turn it back up so much to feel the wheel scrub, which is the, the most important uh, feedback for me that I'm considering tying it back down again, along lot with zip ties as well. Cause I think they were transferring more of the energy in different places onto the rig instead of just that one, one place that is attached right now. So I do, I, that makes it plausible that the springs can have an effect on h- how the energy is getting into the rig.
1: Well, I like it. This is, this is awesome. For, so when I'm visualizing myself using this, I'm thinking of, of getting better at road, Uh, road courses and clipping that that curb you might feel that with the left front wheel the vibrate but if you don't feel it maybe you're not hitting it and you can just keep going a little bit more as you as you continue on and developing your lap so i I don't know i saw this i liked it um so maybe it doesn't have to move like you think it would with the springs you're going to bounce a little bit but maybe it just helps with the vibrations like you were mentioning
3: It'll really help box. you even even more in oval, but I, you know a lot of the the curbs is more immersion. I, you don't I don't feel like that's you already know you get the hitting the curbs from the sound, but it really helps you feel that tire slip, which in both both the road, but especially in the ovals, like say at Richmond, I know exactly how hard I'm pushing the tire. Now I only have the one butt kicker. It might be interesting if this tells me if it's actually my right rear or my right front that's scrubbing hardest. That that might be uh, an advantage if you go up to this level.
0: Yeah, five hundred bucks for the package. Um, it it comes with everything. He did say that the SIM Hub software was a little complicated to set up. It didn't really have didn't really have good instructions on it. He eventually figured it out. Um, but yeah,
2: yeah, that's that's more of a SIM Hub thing though, because um, I think you're using the same. Um, the same profile as you would for base shakers on SimHub And it's not super intuitive. Once you get used to it, it's not too bad, but it's not something that's real, real user-friendly from the get go. If you haven't played around with it before.
1: So your rig is going to suspend on these four springs, which is kind of interesting.
0: I was thinking this wouldn't work for me because I have so much weight on my rig with the triples that are, mounted on as as part of it. with the quadruple monitors and the computer is on the front of the rig as well. So I have a ton of weight. I would just think it would just compress these springs down and they wouldn't move at all.
3: Well they may not move much. They may just control how the weight how the sound waves essentially get into the rig. Yeah and I'm seeing two different colors. So
1: there might they might have different uh size springs or or, or uh you know different weight springs to help you out with that.
0: You know, I have mine on my eighty twenty cockpit on big old six-inch uh, casters. Well, I th- yeah, five-inch, maybe five-inch casters, uh, wheels. And I got to tell you, it's been great having it on wheels because I can keep the, the office clean. I can roll it to one side of the room and and vacuum, you know, and I can roll it to the other side of the room. Or And I've rearranged my office, like – 50 times, you know, Hey, I'll point it that way today. And tomorrow I'll point it that way, you know? And so it's just been really nice having it on wheels because of that.
3: All right. If we had a pre-show, you'd know, we were starting to talk about button boxes and we all started kind of talking about our button boxes that we already have. But, uh, Donnie, you might, you're the one who's kind of in the market. So tell us about this SRH button box.
1: Yeah, so SH, SRH, Sim Racing Hardware has two-piece button boxes inspired by car consoles, and by looking at their website, um, most of their stuff is very clean-looking, um, reasonably priced as well. But they have uh, different button boxes for a lot of different applications.
3: I do like that control R Mini, if because it looks like what you would see in a, in a like a sports car in that center console.
1: Yeah, so it's flat and then at a 45 degree angle it rises uh for another panel like you're mentioning that one as well the control r button box add-on it looks like something you could just add on to something as well yeah uh, good design um everything looks clean nothing looks out of place for the most part on their their design but i don't understand some designs when you're when you're looking at them like i'm looking at their control r interface and it just looks like it's you know everything's in order Some of these button boxes you come across, their buttons are in like wild places and there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, But these look like a well thought out placement for their buttons.
0: I saw this on Dave Cam's rig. He did a video that he did a rig tour of his equipment and this is what he uses for the button box. Now he uses the control R interface, 240 pounds, which is the one at the 45 degree angle. And then he uses the control R button bottom box add on as well. And so there's a flat part and then there's an angled part and it gives that whole car, you know, car console. Look, gives you plenty of buttons to cover everything. So one of them's 240, the other one's 230. So together, yeah, you're looking at almost $500. Uh, boy, that's pretty expensive, but that's what he's got.
3: Yeah, the, and that I guess that comes in two pieces. You can get the mini, which which has less buttons and is smaller, but has both pieces. That was, that was the one yeah, that, 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 that caught, caught the first time. Yeah, you won't have a problem coming up with things to push if uh, if you get got both of those for sure.
0: The other thing that caught my eye was the gauge add on, and it's got a analog three gauges: fuel, oil and water and uh, uh, stacked on top of each other in a nice little compact uh, unit with side mounting. It looks like, and 290 pounds on that one. That is a neat add on.
2: Yeah. And it adds right on one of those, one of those button boxes. So you don't have to find a place to put it. It just goes right on there. It's really cool. I like that too, Mike. It's pretty neat.
0: I don't know where I'd put that though. Uh, I need to look. I'm starting to look around my rig now. Like, ooh, where where can I put that?
3: That is definitely one of the big deciding factors for me with the ones I use the DSDs is how they f- fit really well right next to the wheel, and they're out really wide as well, where I can where I can get to them, and they're they're also easy to find because I run VR, so I have to do it all just by mem- muscle memory, which button I push. So I've been seeing a lot of times on the iRacing Facebooks, people actually asking about the Moza R9 um, or just several of the wheels. And they they keep asking, hey, can we buy this in the U.S. yet? Is, is there a supply? And Boosted Media has an answer, Brian. Yeah, they um, Boosted
2: Media posted on their um, on their uh, Facebook page, I think it says, um, that the U.S. stock of the Moza R9 um, direct-drive wheel is now available in the U.S. It's also their CS and GS wheels um, that that go with that. Um, It's all in stock now, so you're able to order it it can You can get it in three to six days for delivery. And uh, if you use the promo code boosted, who is affiliated with uh, the Moza company, uh, you get 5% off of your purchase. So uh, if that's something you're looking for, that Moza uh, direct drive wheel, you can, uh, you can get it quick and you can get it at a discount just by uh, going to their uh, website and using boosted as your promo code.
1: Yeah, it looks like these guys are coming after Fanatec for that, um, I don't know what could be the term, but that popular um, mid-level sim racing brand. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure all their wheels are proprietary to their wheelbases as well. You have to kind of like the Fanatec model, but three to six days is good. So people are looking to get their direct drive and they don't know where to get one yet. This company has promise.
2: Yeah, that, and that was one of the things that some of these guys were saying when they did reviews, comparisons between the Fanatec CSLDD and the Moza, is that you can get this thing so so much quicker than the Fanatec's. They take so long to fill your orders now. If, if it's a toss-up as to which one you think is better, a lot of times that might be the, the deciding factor. You hate to order stuff and just wait forever for it to come in. Welcome
0: to Fanatec.
3: You know, that's not the only place where there's supply issues, just uh, for uh, flying out into another world. I ordered a Berry Sacks in June, and I will get it in February. Wow. All right. Something you might be able to get quicker is a PC. And Donnie, we're looking at uh, what is the best PC to run in iRacing, is what we're talking about now.
1: I see there are a couple of posts in the iRacing forums. Uh, regarding uh, the best PC to run iRacing, so Ellis Thomas posts: Hi everyone, working on a bit of a project and wanted to know if you could build the best PC to run iRacing, maxed out in 1440 and money with were very little concern. What would your build look like in terms of hardware? So it looks like Philip Morton responds news that amd are launching the ryzen 7000 on september 15th and nvidia are dropping the rtx 4000 series in october raptor lake from intel should be around in november Hmm. you can buy now though it's the end of the current generations and for the dollars maybe worth waiting for the new stuff to arrive you either be getting a bargain on the above listed stuff and able to get even more bang for your dollar from the
0: new stuff i mean it's a good point i mean philip morton brings up that is it the right time to build a pc and i guess if you need one you need one but uh boy i mean all these different products are coming to the end of the generation and they're all getting new generation launches in the next few months nvidia amd intel all big companies that have new stuff coming so I don't know if it makes sense to if you can wait, it's better to wait, I think.
1: Yeah, I've got the Ryzen I got a five thousand series card, the fifty seven hundred, and when the seven drops, I'll probably go up to the six. I think my yeah, my CPU chip is the, the Ryzen seven as well. So yeah, so right now I think the sixty-six or the six thousand series is right around five six hundred bucks. So once this drops, hopefully that lowers it even more.
0: So so the op did get his answer. You know, regardless of Philip Morton saying, you know, he should wait. Um, Piers Cocky uh, put up in the forums the uh, what would be a perfect uh, computer if money was no object if you're buying it today. And so here's what he picked. The Intel Core i9-12900KS, 16-core, 24-thread, 5.5 gigahertz turbo for the chip. 3090 TI for the card, um, 64 gig of RAM, DDR5 at 5,200 megahertz, um, two terabyte drive, of course, uh, M.2, with a read of 7,400 megabytes.
1: The money being
3: very little concern is, is odd. Just go build an awesome
1: computer. Um, I don't know.
3: I'm pretty close to that, except I'm on an i7 instead so of an i9. I've got the fast DDR5 RAM and the 3090 Ti that's sitting on my desk until that cable comes in. But yeah, that's what it comes down to: is just if you want the best computer, buy the best computer. If money's no object, do you guys do other
1: things on your iRacing computer, the the, the computer you use for iRacing? Yeah, I do the sound for the show.
0: So not I, I really also,
1: not Yeah. Really. I mainly just do the iRacing on this specific computer. I see Greg over there sometimes going back and forth. I don't know if he's got two or not, but I mean, you don't need groundbreaking stuff, but it is what it is, but it's a hobby. And if you can spend money, you can spend money.
0: But Donnie, you're going to figure out after you're here long-term that you're going to go through computers every two to three, every three years or so, maybe longer. But when you do get to that point, you want to get the best compu- money can buy because you want it to last the longest before you need to get another one. And that's kind of how I think all of us approach uh, computer builds.
1: Yeah, this is uh, two years old. And I, I just recently did a benchmark test and it it only got to nuclear submarine. It wasn't, I mean, I didn't break the bank building this one, but it, it works perfectly for what I do.
0: So Let's switch gears to form factor on computers if money's no object, and I'm all, you know I'm all about form factor, and I found a Pinterest uh, from Techni P Graphics on Pinterest, uh, his PC gaming setup, and he's got it in this metal case that's kind of an octagon case that has glass panels. And there's a post down the middle that spins, and all the equipment that we've just been talking about is all mounted to the pole, and the computer basically spins in this octagon clear case in circles. It is amazing looking. I had never even realized you could do something like this.
3: So in the old days, you'd try to buy in a fancy, elaborate, you know, lamppost or something. Now you just make your computer
0: look really cool. What gets f- me on this build is wh- how are they doing the cabling when the thing is spinning in circles?
3: It's going it um, to have interfaces that extend everything. Or actually, but that's still twisting, isn't it? So, um, yeah, that
0: actually is kind of mind-blowing it is, isn't it? Like all your your DVI's, you know, from your your three monitors, I mean, they hook in there somewhere. Pretty cool. And you know, when I build another rig, I you know, I'm thinking about doing a different form factor. Like I rem- the fish tank one always intrigues me where they were using that mineral oil and they would literally put the graphics card and everything inside the mineral oil. If you guys remember that one, it looked like it was in a fish tank or I like the idea of building a computer on a flat surface, you know, like a, you have a, a board, you know, a four by three board and everything just kind of mounts to it and you hang it on the wall.
1: Maybe somebody should build one inside a freezer or a refrigerator.
0: All right, results is next. It's brought to you by SimRaps. Are you in need of an identity? A wrap is more than vinyl on car. It's you and your team's identity on track, so stand out, not blend in. SimRaps can design not only your race vehicle, but fire suits and helmets as well. SimRaps can work with any budget to make sure you do a stand out in a crowded field. Make sure to pull in for a pit stop and check out our work at simraps.com, or to hit us up on social media sites like Facebook or Instagram. NASCAR iRacing Series. Let's go to Friday Open. Donnie Spiker, P19.
1: Yeah, it was fun. We were at Michigan. I made a mistake. Um, I was I was having a decent run, but um, I could not. Once the tires wore, I couldn't get around the slower cars unless I was gonna go deep inside and I really burn my tires up but I made a mistake going around a slower car I overcooked the corner slid up in front of them kind of rode the wall a little bit and um, I lost some positions there but other than that it was good uh, it was nice to be at a, a normal track I think for a change not I don't say normal track but just felt different felt like getting back to normal a little bit not like this week we'll get to that in a second
3: We actually cut out of uh, marching practice early enough, so I snuck home and ran this race, having turned hardly. Actually, I don't think I turned any laps at Michigan the whole week. I was working twelve-hour days, and um, I jump in and I don't feel great about this. The the set the speed just because I'm completely out of my routine. I haven't had all my practice A-opens and testing laps and really tweaking the setup. Um, stole a P9, though, because of fuel strategy. We had one right on the window, on the edge of the window, but the tires were also fresh enough that about half the cars decided to stay out, and it kind of just worked out, so it was a very stolen P9. Yeah, I remember you complaining, not complaining, but not happy with that race, and then
1: all of a sudden you're saying your P9 you're going to finish, I'm like, oh, well. That's cool.
0: So, I ran. I don't. I didn't write my notes, but basically, we had long runs, and I suck on long runs and finished P twenty one.
3: I think you did write your notes because I wrote my notes and they were missing.
0: Okay, maybe that's what it was. You had some incredible tire wear. Now that I remember. That's right. Uh, I, I think. Oh, you're right. I remember a green flag stop, and I had like two percent left or something. <laughs> Surprised we get a meatball for that. Okay, so move on to Sunday Open. David marked it. I gave myself a
3: non racing meatball on this one. Man, um, it was all long runs, and I was just terrible slow, and the just didn't fall away this time. Did a green flag stop, got, a, got an unsafe pit exit on top of it, and was like, yeah, okay, this ain't fun anymore, and
0: pulled in. Okay, so I'm gonna move on to Sunday Fixed. Ran my tires off in about eight laps uh, and then fell through the field to almost dead last. Uh, Decided to short pit at lap 33, but I was caught speeding on pit road. I I was only at 2% left on the right front. So I had a 40 second penalty at that point. I came out to be running dead last three laps down. Now as the cycle continued and finished, I got back to one lap down before finally a caution came. I ended up staying out for the wave around there and got back to the lead lap and then somehow luckily got another caution several laps later to get back on the same fuel and tire strategy as everybody else. Then it was another short run to move from 20th to 12th. Then 19 to go, I went from 12th to 5th, then 10 laps to go uh, before the next caution. Uh, it was another quick caution It leaves us with a restart with four to go, and I was restarting seventh at that point. I drove up to P3. I ran out of time to get past the next two. P3, baby! Boy, I can't believe I got a podium. You know, especially after being down three laps, a 40-second penalty on a green flag stop, running the right front off till there's no rubber left. I mean, I was at the point where David was at the day, the day before when you were saying I wanted to park it. Um, I wanted to park it. I was thinking about parking it at that point because I was dead last. It was an embarrassment. But, man, the way the cautions fell after that, it all played out in my favor. I was torn on that white wave around, you know, should I take it? Should I not? And, uh, I, and I chanced it and it worked out. And somehow I got back to P three.
1: Yeah. Michigan was sneaky this week. It looks like, uh, Steven would might've ran with you. He put down that he wrecked out on lap seven again. So I think he might've ran Wednesday or Friday night and wrecked as well.
0: Yeah, he ran with... Yeah, Friday, he wrecked out on lap seven as well. Same exact thing happened on uh, Sunday as well. So he is jinxed.
3: I remember you had said something about him not wrecking out on lap one. And then I congratulated him on getting past lap one. And he got wrecked out on lap seven.
0: Right. Yeah, that would... I think you might have jinxed him when you said that. Let's move on to Richmond. David, P-23. P-23
3: yeah this could have been better uh but the bulk of the majority of the bad finish probably comes down to loading the wrong race set or, or forgetting to unload the q set uh the q set wasn't terrible but it was not as well tuned as the race set i had uh but there were 16x caused by others and 4x caused by me where i got loose um and i ended up getting the right uh the the a black flag on the caution that brought us to the third green white checkered so it stuck me down um, one of them one of those four X's, was a dude hitting me on a purpose because I uh, got into him yesterday because I was racing really hard around him payback or no I was just racing really hard around him okay I mean, well he, I had a horrible mean, I, I think he I'm sorry I think he was paying back yes if that's what you mean
0: yeah Well, I got wrecked out uh, lap one, turn two. I got loose just a hair on the exit, late exit, and got tagged from behind. Turned down to the inside at 16 16 minutes damage. Um, I parked it, so I ended up dead last.
1: It looks like uh, Tony Rochette, he finished P14. He just hovered around the eight and 12 spot. Where would it go? That's where he's moving around. He hovered around 8 to 12 spot all night long, nothing special, but then that wiggle, 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 when he got bumped early, made made his car go squiggle, squiggle, almost
0: wasn't (laughs) true. I think you just got rig rolled.
1: You know, he's, re- he's, uh, he's prepped me for that. And I told him, I will read verbatim what you write on here. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. I will read verbatim what you write on here.
0: Okay. But here's how you got to read it. You got to. Did not get wiggle wiggled, but he got squiggle swiggled. And I can't say it right. Okay. So, Tyler, we'll move on to Tyler Williamson blown up he got wiped out by a dive bomber on the green white checker restarted eighth and was clean cleaned out uh frustrating as i spent time practicing and working with the setups and the team to get the car to feel right gutted i did not get this top 10 it was fun racing with tom and mike was spotting yeah i was watching because uh, i you know wrecked out lap one, I went and got dinner and I came back to watch uh, Tom and Tyler. Tom was looking really good. I mean, he was like third or fourth or somewhere in there, but then he would like lose the car. He would get really loose on the on the late exit of two on the back stretch. And, and every time that Tom would lose it, he would just stab his brakes. I mean, he would just like jump on the brakes, like lock it up and it would keep the car from coming around every time. And so uh, I, I think I called it the brake stabber. Um, but he lost a lot of track position every time that happened, and even though he was fast. And then when I saw uh, Tyler get wrecked, right before that restart, he said, hey, that 16 car is gonna wreck us all. because he was starting on the inside one lane back and that, and he, he he called it. He, he's like, this guy's gonna wreck us. Watch out for him, and and sure enough, I mean, Tyler drove it in there on the outside. He had plenty of room, he went way wide. He was up against the wall, and this 16 dive-bombed into the bottom and slid all, all the way up and just leaned him out. Okay, move on to my race Thursday today. Well, interestingly, the guy who took me the night before was in this race. And guess what, on lap one, turn two, he did the same exact thing another guy, where the other guy was just a little slow coming up off the corner on lap one. He gave him no room at all and just ran over him. And uh, so, I don't know if it was just the, you know, if they felt better after that because, You know, was the guy just trying to wreck me yesterday, and and now I see him do it to somebody else, the same exact lap and turn, the same exact way, you know, two days in a row. I actually called him out on it over the radio. I'm like, dude, two days in a row, you know, you're involved in the first incident. You know, maybe you should be looking in the mirror. Anyway, uh, I started 19th. I made it up to third by the end of the first run. I ran third and second basically the entire uh, next run, but I couldn't catch the leader. I ran my ass off every lap. I mean, I tried as hard, as hard as I've ever driven today. <laughs> um, I just couldn't catch him. Uh, the last run, the third run, I, I basically tried my hardest again, ended up with a P4 and a uh, super happy with a P4 after, uh, you know, dead last last night. Okay, moving on to official. We got the Skippy's at Sonoma I ran. Oh no, excuse me, it wasn't Skippy's. It was the F2000 at Oren Park, one of my favorite tracks. Started P11, got to P3 by end of lap one. Had a big gap on the rest. I spun on my own at one point, but somehow kept my spot. But fourth place was right behind me now. I had to run hard the last laps to hold him off. Uh, it was fun. Donnie, you spotted that one. Yeah. What about your fun race? It was super helpful to have you calling out where people were spun off. You were like, "Hey, there's a slow one over on the right. You're coming up on, or something like that." And it would, it gave me the confidence to drive in there, you know, and not hit somebody. Uh, next race, I started P8, got to P3 by lap three, lap one, uh, turn three, lap one was able to hold it off, hold it for the rest of the race. The top drew, two, they actually drove away. They were about a second per lap faster each lap. There was no way I was gonna catch them, but P3. Next race, I started P6, got to P3, by turn one, lap one. So as you can see, there's a, a theme here. I'm, I'm always getting a bunch of spots on the first lap. Uh, eventually, I got to P2. I had nothing for the leader, he was a half second faster, but I did find some speed finally. I was trying to roll the corners more and and got my fastest time ever uh, by about seven tenths in this race. So eventually I I, I, like totally found something. Uh, The next one I started P4, I got to P2, but I ran off the track and fell back to fourth and just brought it home. Moving into the next week, Road America. Started P8 out of 10. I got to fourth by the first half a lap, but eventually went off track and fell to seventh. Next race, started fourth. There was a heavy blinker on my inside, so I fell to seventh, trying to be cautious. Was fighting for six near the end of lap one, trying to get around this blinker, and we all wrecked uh, and fell back to 13th, made my way back to 9th at the end. I put this replay in the chat, David. You told me I should have protested. I, I didn't. Uh, final race I ran, uh, started P10, got to P4 by halfway through lap 1. I went off in the last corner of lap 2. I fell to 10th, and a few laps later went off hard and killed the car DNF. I had a guy who was holding me up uh, and then he was taunting me in the chat, too. You raced a whole bunch this week. How about you?
1: I'll keep a little brief. Um, I ended up switching my Xfinity schedule to the the first half of the week, got in the lobby, didn't recognize a name in there, maybe a a couple. That was clue number one. I should have got out. But Monday night was probably the worst um, race I've ever had on this service. It was terrible. Um, You couldn't avoid any of the mayhem that was out there. Uh, finished with the 16x uh, so, oh, so finished P23 started 18 but just couldn't avoid couldn't avoid the people out there the next night I was able to finish P9 wasn't much better. Uh, the first night we ran 50 laps under caution the next night was 35 laps under caution. Uh, hopefully NIS will be better tomorrow It doesn't sound like it, it it will be but who knows uh, but I did get to run the two late model races this week the, the fix in the open P6 and p8 respectfully. These uh, were the first races I ran with my son, which was I uh, kind of nervous. I didn't want like him to do his thing. And then people see the names and kind of get them together. But actually he, he ran really well, actually surprised how well he's doing. Um, but yeah, so that was fun. Uh, so hopefully this week it improves a bit. But Monday night was uh, I got off there thinking it was one of those moments like it just killed your morale
0: getting off that from that. I don't know. Terrible race. Yep, it ebbs and flows. you got to roll with it. Ebbs and flows. So I was
1: involved in every incident Monday night and then Tuesday night. The only way I survived was just staying clean and avoiding all the freaking mayhem makers out there.
0: Yeah, Richmond, there's a lot of cautions, I tell you. How about uh, our host, excuse me, our league race, Fast Track League Racing uh, David, you missed it. Uh, one of the few races you've missed all year.
3: Nah, yeah, I missed like four or five, actually. But that's um, what it mainly has me so far behind in points. It's just tough to run on, on a single night.
0: Stuff gets in the way. So Joe Owen and Greg Hectus both wrecked out. Myself, I also wrecked out. I started 39th out of 41. I got to 18th by the end of the first run. I was proud of that, to go from 38th to 18th in that league. Uh, Yeah, that's saying something. Uh, Maybe 20 to go. There was a wreck that happened on the front. Not much damaged. Uh, We rolled around to the back. So this is under yellow, so there's there's a caution on the front. I was involved. We roll around slowly to the back stretch to catch the pace car. And they're all slowing up for the pace car. And then here comes Arca Boy. He comes flying in 60 mile an hour faster, I would say. And he runs over my left rear, takes the whole wheel off the car, completely kills the car. I can't even, it doesn't even drive at all. Uh, No apologies, no nothing. Uh, At least 40 seconds after the caution came out, I got ran over. And the league admin did nothing. I I, I PM'd him. Uh, I, I've heard no repercussion of that. I mean, uh, yeah, Arkaboy. boy. So good thing you missed it. It was a mess. All right. With that, final thoughts. Brian McCubbin, what do you got?
2: Um, well, I was kind of listening to your results, Mike, uh, talking about your Michigan race and uh, you know how how it went from a. Uh, terrible race to a really good finish p3 and um it was really just through perseverance man sometimes that's all it takes it's just hanging with it you know keep doing your best don't give up and you never know stuff stuff can just work out in your favor sometimes um so you know i i hate when i see when i'm in races and and somebody gets some contact or something or messes up and then they just drop because you know then the field drops and you know if, if you just hang in there, you know, don't give up so quite so easy and, and, and just have some perseverance. A lot of times things can turn around. So um, that would be my advice for the week. You know, just just stay out there, do your best, stay clean and, and, and you know, and be a good sport. And uh, yeah, I think that really uh, goes a long way to make uh, hosted and and these uh, these official races more enjoyable for everybody.
0: Yeah. And don't give up when you're at that point. You know, you're thinking about giving up because you never know how the race will turn around. Uh, I think that one proved it. Okay, David Hall, final thoughts.
3: Yeah, I don't give up up often, but that Sunday morning race, I already knew how it was going to turn out. (laughs) Uh, That
2: wasn't a crack on you, Dave, I promise. Well,
3: well, no, part of what keeps my eye rating high is the fact that I do stick it out a lot of times and even just snag a few spots. But this was mostly a result of me just not having my normal routine. I just did not know the track as well as I usually do in a week. You know, you, you, um, do enough a opens and you just kind of find where every little nook and cranny is on the track. And I wasn't there. And it was awful slow and I was not going to make a comeback on that one. But, yeah. Uh, camp's over. We actually had our first day of school this week and um, bands off to a good start. So this week was definitely all more real life stuff. I'll still be racing, but not as much. Cause yeah, it's that time of year.
0: Okay. Very good. Donnie Spiker, final thoughts.
1: Yeah. I agree with you, Brian. Sometimes when you get in those positions you're almost having your own race within a race and you just want to see how many positions you can gain before it's all up. Um, I ordered my, my P one, a hydraulic pedal set from send coaches this week i'll pick it up oh. in august, or august 26th and uh i mentioned a couple drivers a couple weeks ago that i raced with in the late model series and i remember his i rating being high but uh the one guy that smoked me was james curl and he's the number one rated uh, oval racer right now and then on tuesday night we had ryan Kunamai my uh i racing b open open race and yeah, you know, he obviously won that race but uh Sometimes I don't catch these names, but I'll look at their I rating later on. And then the ten thousand seven hundred kind of blew me away and I thought that would be kinda of high. But yeah, so within the last couple of weeks I raced the number one guy and then the number three guy. So nowhere near their speed. I don't ever plan on being there, but still kind of fun.
0: Kinda neat to see how you stack up, right?
1: He did not lap me. The late model race did not lap me, which was a feather in my hat. Maybe, you know what? I take that back. He lapped me. Um, And I don't, but I don't believe uh, this Ryan gentleman let me too many cautions. He couldn't, he couldn't catch up to me anyway, too many cautions.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, My final thoughts. uh, Wow. Perseverance, I guess is the key word this week. I went to race today and uh, windows had updated last night. And guess what, guys, it messes up all your audio settings. Um, I had to remap the butt kicker, the headphones, the speakers, the subwoofer, everything, uh, the, the, the crew chief app, everything needed audio remapped. And, uh, I had to figure that out like right before the race. Um, then in the middle of the the last run, my force feedback turned off. Um, normally I can push a little button on the wheel and it comes right back on. And when that's happened in the past, it's never been a big deal because I can push the button and it comes back on. Well, This time, today, the button did nothing and the force feedback did not come back on. I went into ultra focus mode. I was like, I don't want to wreck this car. And so I was super, super focused on how I was turning the wheel because I could feel nothing in the wheel at all. And so it was so easy just to yank it one direction or the other and upset the car so uh some 25 30 laps later it just turned right back on again and so wow with the audio problems the wheel problems to come home p4 uh what a great result um really feel confidence you know after you know that kind of those kind of issues and uh to, to persevere through them and the same thing that happened the other day when i you know was three laps down at one point and got a p3 man this shows you i got it and it makes me happy so hey with that we'll see you on the track later thank you for listening to the Racers Lounge podcast make sure you go subscribe to us on itunes soundcloud or google play facebook and twitter see you on the track